Welcome to the Transform Your Wealth and Health podcast, where experts in wealth, health, and fitness help transform your life. Here's your host, Andy Arder. Today, we've got an incredible guest that's very kindly agreed to come to the Arter residence and give us the benefit of his wisdom. He's an ex-pro footballer, having played for Stoke City, Bury, Leighton Orient, and was Bristol City's youngest ever player at the time at 16 years of age. He also founded his own charity, which we're going to delve into today. And my guest is Tony Kelly. Hi, Tony. Hi, Andy. Good to see you, mate. Hi. How are we doing? All good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, busy man. Yeah, me or you? Who's, <laughs> who's the busiest? Uh, I'm the busiest. I'm busy. Mate. I'm busier than you. No, I'm not having it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks very much for coming along, mate. It's, it's absolute pleasure. We've we've done a few bits and pieces earlier. We've we've been doing the Facebook Live, etc. Podcasting yeah. first time. It is actually, yeah, yeah. Kind of for me at least. Anyway, replacing radio. Yeah, and I think obviously it's out there now, and I think a lot of people are doing podcasts, and it's all about getting yourself out there in promotion. Anyway, I heard about sixteen percent of the US population listen to podcasts very popular in the u.s well, yeah i'm not surprised yeah okay well thanks for coming over to our, our beautiful village and gracing us with your presence it is lovely actually well, you like it village. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Good. good very thank nice you. thank you could you tell us about your early life and your early career got a couple of hours yeah thanks mate <laughs> <laughs> well it all started basically um like any young lad uh want to be a professional footballer or soccer player we might say yeah, soccer player soccer. yeah but i've wanted to be a footballer from the age of nine i started under nine level in coventry grew up in coventry um unfortunately for me i did have an older brother mm-hmm. oh, i still got an older brother uh and he uh he was the first one in the family to turn professional uh, and he was playing for bristol rovers in bristol city and other clubs but fortunately for me at 16 uh he did manage to sort out a trial at bristol city um so yeah, that's when it started. Fortunately, I got a, I got a YTS scheme, which is basically what the scholars have today, a two-year contract, 16 to 18. That's where my football journey started for Bristol City, straight from school, yeah. Straight from school. So that was a scholarship YTS. So yeah. you kind of had it laid on a plate for you and managed to <laughs> cock it up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. To use yeah. kind words, cock it up, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm proud of the uh, record I achieved at Bristol City, which lasted for, I think it was 20 years. It's broken now, I think, 2005 which is, uh, became the youngest player to play for Bristol City's first team, which was 16 in 244 days. And like most people within the club, and obviously my family and friends, um, it was only a matter of, you know, it's more or less guaranteed that you're going to get a pro contract at 18 and you know, be at Bristol City for years to come. But unfortunately, my wild ways and my wild living, and you know, that's what I talk about today with other people, parents, kids, about attitude. It's not all about talent. You know, I had a hell of a lot of talent, but my attitude stunk. And um, Terry Cooper, the ex Leeds and England player, he um, he let me go uh, at 17, a year before my contract. Do you blame Terry or yourself? No, not at all. I blame myself. Um, I mean, looking back, when you're 16 and you're learning the game and developing, trying to get a professional contract, the the last thing you want to be doing is going out nightclubbing, you know, with senior pros and coming in at four in the morning to your lodging. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing I was doing. Um, I think it's one of them where you think you've made it uh, when you haven't, obviously. Yeah, the youngsters of today yeah, um, have it slightly differently. I'm imagining that the promising youngsters probably earned more money than you earned back in those days, even as a youngster now. Yeah, uh, as an 18-year-old, if, if for instance, if you sign a pro contract to say Tottenham, you'll be on four or five grand a week straight away uh, as, a, as a first contract. In terms of the scholars today, uh, I've worked at Tottenham Up to a football club for two years, uh, so I've dealt with the scholars and I know, you know, 
it may sound bad, but it, it is true. They are pampered. They don't have to do absolutely anything. Uh, if you look back to my days as an apprentice, you know, we were cleaning the terraces, we were doing the washing, we were cleaning the boots. So it did it did teach us that discipline side of things, which, which are things important as you go on in life. But yep, today they've got it easy. So all the time you were playing football, you had a secret and your mm. secret was your addiction to gambling. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate or yeah, should I? Yeah, basically. The, the actual gambling uh, as such started when I signed for uh, South East London Club. Uh, I've left Bristol City now. I'm on the next new road of semi-pro football trying to get back into the game. Uh, and I was 18 and that's when I started to have my first bet um, on the old football coupons. And uh, that's where it all started in terms of um, eventually developing an addiction. Yeah, and the addiction really kicked in um, when I signed for Stoke, really. I think when it, that's when I obviously had more money. Um, I lived a certain lifestyle and yeah, that's when it really kicked in the addiction throughout my pro years Yeah, and, and after, after football. I highlighted something in your book. Yeah. Your book was an absolutely brilliant book, by the way. Thanks, uh, mate. Thank no you. pleasure. Uh, I did say to you at the time, I'm either going to read this book in a week or if not, <laughs> it's going to go with the dozen others that I've got, which I've read six to ten pages and just yeah. put to one side and I read it in a week. So thank you. Good very on you, mate. Much. Good on you. No, thank you. It was really good. The thing about it is it's waltz and all. Yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. There was quite a few waltz. You know, you've got some stuff that you've done that you're not proud of, but that yeah. was probably down to your addiction as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one one thing in particular, I mean, we, we talk about addictions, addicts, you know, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, you know, the, the way to feed your habit and what people will do. And unfortunately, people do get in a situation where, you know, there is no way out and uh, they need to feed that addiction. They can't stop um, and they'll do whatever it takes. And one of my uh, regrets, I suppose, was uh, doing a kiss and tell with, right. the, with the news of the world. With okay. The, uh, yeah, I done that. I think I was about 33 or something. I finished football. As I said, I've wrapped up a lot of debt. Uh, so I was still gambling even after my professional football. So, yeah, I was thinking of ways of, you know, how to clear some of my debts. And like I said, you, you would do anything. And yeah, opportunity came to do a story uh, with an ex EastEnders actress, which we can't name, obviously. And it's something that I'm not proud of, to be honest with you. It wasn't Doc Cotton, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't Doc oh, Cotton. All right, fair enough. Then. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was something I'm not proud of, to be honest. Um, I look back and I think, geez, you know, this, that, you had to really do that to just to get money, just to gamble. And yeah, um, yeah, and the money went within a few weeks anyway. So yeah, uh, something yeah, not too proud of. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to read a little excerpt from your book yeah. if, if I may because yeah. it kind of sums things up a little bit for me yeah. so you you've written that's what gambling does to you it takes you on a roller coaster ride through all the emotions from exaltation to total despair naturally this affected my game when I had won I would be on a high and play well but when I would have lost it would usually lead to a stinker on the pitch yeah, the, uh, that's, that sums up a, a lot of the stuff I went through um, in terms of mentally, physically, how, how, I, how I was uh, coping with it. Um, you know, there was times where I would go out in front of, you know, 20,000 people, you know, with my mind elsewhere, not focus on the game. I've just lost a couple of grand the day before. And yeah, it, it plays with your mind. And, and it's proof of the pudding is that I've probably roughly about 200 league appearances for the five or six clubs I played for. But realistically, I should have played 400 games. Um, and that's due to the, the way my mindset was, the way it affected, affected me mentally. Um, I was always in and out of the team. I could be out of the team for three months. So I've lost four or five years to the game because uh, I finished at 30-31. So I've definitely lost time to the game. And that's, and that's uh, due, obviously due to the addiction. So that really did affect your, your wealth 
and health. Yeah, exactly. Both lost a lot of money, approximately half a million pounds in total with houses, etc., and property. Ouch. And yeah. if you'd have invested that, probably yeah, be a rich man today. More. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, but you can't look at it that way. You got to look at it as though you know I had a I had an addiction. I had a a problem. Yeah. That unfortunately with me, I didn't deal with at the time. Uh, which is again something we talk about in terms of you know talking about it and getting help ASAP. I didn't do that, um, and so I suffered. Yeah, um, but that's gone. It's history's past, and I've moved on to other things today. Okay, we're talking about moving on. Yeah. How do you keep fit nowadays? Um, as you can see, I'm quite fit. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I don't I don't do a lot of fitness. To be honest with you, I, we'll go for a jog in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on your own. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but partly because um, I'm so busy. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it more. But red card, that old chestnut. Come well, on, red, red, red card is uh, partly taken over my life. So I'm, I'm very busy, man. Yeah. But uh, the truth is, I think everyone should do some kind of fitness. Um, and I'm going to start. I'm, I'm going to vow in the new year to start doing some jogging and start getting down the gym a bit and doing something because it's, it's for your mind as well as, as well as your body. Oh, here's my time to put my plug in then. Yeah, there I, you go. I have lost. 30 pounds in weight in a 90 day period so i put this an effort in conscious lost some weight and if i can touch on it as well yeah might i say you've lost quite a bit of weight yourself but yeah. would you like to talk about that because i know the yeah. reason why it's uh, it's something that's happened about five or six weeks ago um i unfortunately um i people were saying to me oh god tell you you've lost a little bit of weight because obviously uh, I don't put on a lot of weight and I've, you know, I've kept myself trim the last few years and uh, people kept const constantly telling me, you know, you've lost weight. So I went on the scales one day and there it was. I lost a stone and four pounds in no time, in literally four or five weeks. So obviously I was worried. Um, there is cancer in my family. Uh, so I was, I was thinking the worst. So I went to the doctors, uh, got all the tests and et cetera, to the hospital, all the blood tests. And um, I was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. I'm glad I said it right. Hyperthyroidism. <laughs> Well, it's uh, easy for you to say. Yeah, yeah. So it was obviously something new to me, never heard of it. And they explained to me that I've got a hyperactive thyroid, which is your thyroid in your neck, and which uh, basically is uh, sudden weight loss and uh, obviously other symptoms. Uh, so I'm on medication. Um, it's something that's going to be dealt with. Um, see the specialist in October. Uh, it's not going to be a problem long term. Um, so, yeah, but it's quite, it's quite shocking and quite surprising, you know, to, to see yourself all of a sudden, you know, losing that kind of weight. And some people would absolutely love it, of course, yeah, but um, yeah. not if you don't know the reason why. Yeah, so, if yeah, it's unintentionally, exactly. So what would what would you say your main priority in life is nowadays? Uh, good question. I think because um, I've been what I've been through, um, I, I look back on obviously my football career and obviously what I've been through you know, mentally with the addiction. And so when I started to get on the new journey, so to speak, with Red Card, which is 2013 when I decided to write the book uh, through advice of family members uh, and also to get my story out there for awareness and, and for my family and friends because at the end of the day you know my family didn't didn't know the depths of my addiction so they didn't you know had no idea uh, what I've been through and what I've lost and all the all the loans and all the credit cards and all the cars sold and the repossessions. How did it end up in total at the end of your career? Did you have any money left over or? No, I finished my career with a £192,000 bankruptcy file. Ow. Which is absolutely ridiculous really when you think about it. But yeah, that's what it was. And obviously I was looking at a way to move on. And to be honest with you, part of the counselling I had, obviously I had counselling, but I had it too late, uh, which is what I talked to people about why you've got to uh, talk ASAP. Is that how you started your recovery? Yeah, and uh, that that was all about reevaluating my life and looking at hope and looking at the future. And going bankrupt was up you know, to me. It's probably the best thing I've ever done because it yeah. it cleared all my debt and it gave me a new focus and perspective on life. And 
that's when um, moving forward to 2013, I decided to put my story to print. And that's how the Red Card Project started from there. Right, so the Red Card Project's named after the book or the book named after the... The Red Card Gambling Support Project, uh, which is the organisation I founded in 2014, followed on from the Red Card book. So yes, the Red Card book was about getting awareness out there for, for, for young people. Uh, and I followed that on with uh, the team of addiction specialists we have at Red Card and, and to basically promote education, awareness and prevention of gambling. Do you think you've changed since you started the Red Card Addiction Programme? Yeah, I think I've changed in many ways. And I think I'm uh, definitely more grounded. I'm definitely, uh, I've got a real um, passion for helping people because uh, I know what it's like and I know what it's, you know, I wouldn't want people to go through that. And in terms of another change in my life, which came 2010, obviously it's progressed to now as a regain my faith. Uh, I was baptised last year. And that's another thing that's helped me in terms of my personal relationship with, with God. That's, that's for me, it's not for everybody, but that's what helps me. And uh, I think I'm on this journey for a reason. Right, and how do you do that uh, journey with God? Do you uh, regular at the church, or yeah, do you um, get involved with um, helping out at the church? I've got my local church, which is great, and they actually they they are one of our sponsors now. We what actually happened is um, a year ago we met with them to see whether we could do a, a gambling awareness workshop within the church hall. It's one of those things which is meant to be. As I said, the the pastor Father Tayman he absolutely loved the project, and he said, right, you know, we'll give you a bit of finance every year. We'll have the, the hall for free. We'll do some admin for you, and they've become come on board and one of our sponsors. So yeah, and I go to the church uh, every Saturday morning. Oh, brilliant! Is there any tips or tricks you could give to anybody that's out there that believes? they've got an addiction and they'd like to do something about it there's lots of help out there i mean help from gamcare to gordon moody association to to red card there's outlets out there for help but the most important thing is that you've got to talk to somebody that's what i found uh, we, we all say there's a denial factor with gambling addicts and, and it's true we stay in denial for years so you have to talk to somebody whether that's your parent whether it's your manager whether it's a brother or sister or, or a colleague you know just talk to somebody um, let them know you what you're going through and and then that can lead on to get, getting some help okay well I've got to take you back to the football now yeah you are lucky lucky days in football everybody I know wanted to be a footballer when they were young you managed to do it yeah on a, on a, on a kind of rocky path but still mm-hmm. you still peaked and one of the things that that you did was score a goal at Anfield which is still uh, on YouTube as we speak yeah, yeah, I've seen the video. I was actually surprised about, I don't know, about five or six years ago, someone said that the video was on YouTube and I couldn't believe it. But yeah, it's probably one of the, high, yeah, one of the highlights of my career because uh, obviously I've played at Wembley as well. Um, but it was an amazing night uh, and the Stoke fans still talk about it today. I still get messages and on social media about it. You know, it's great to know that kids that were behind that goal that night at Anfield, you know, who are grown up to be 30, 40 now and they remember it. And it's a, it's a special moment for them, which is nice. Um, and the club itself they've brought me back to the club two and a half years ago to talk about it uh, on on match day in the function rooms and that was great I I asked some of your fans and uh, potential all three of them yeah all three of them and potential podcast listeners too there'll be two of those (laughs) (laughs) me and you (laughs) and I asked those guys if they could uh, tell us uh, a question that they'd like to ask for you so one of the guys a guy called Daniel Sutton, yeah. who's a Stokey, he was asking a question, and it was particular about Stoke. Or there was some questions, by the way, that I couldn't even. You couldn't have it. I couldn't. Yeah, no, 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 I couldn't even no. repeat them in yeah. public. So uh, yeah. I'll tell you a story about about a radio presenter any minute. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah. That'd be good. Let me get this one out of the yeah. way first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the question Daniel was asking as a Stokey was about the re- the, re- the support that you received from the supporters. Mm-hmm. I've 
changed it slightly. I'm going to mm. move it around because there yeah. were some similar questions from other supporters, from mm. Berry and uh, Orient, yeah. Leighton Orient supporters as well, asked yeah. similar kind of things. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm yeah. going to ask yeah. which club supporters did you have most affinity with and, and get on with and get the most support from? And then a two-part question, mm -hmm. the club themselves, which mm. one of those helped with your addiction? Well, if, if I answer the second question first, because... Go for it. The the truth is that um, no no club that I've played for helped me with the addiction, and it's not I, I don't lay any blame at their door. Uh, at the end of the day, I had the addiction. I didn't ask for help. Um, I lived the way I lived. Uh, yeah, and but unfortunately, um, today uh, I would like to think that more managers and more chairmen and directors and agents in particular who are looking after players, I would like to think that they would, um, if they see a player struggling, uh, loss of form for no reason whatsoever. Um, isolated in the dressing room you know all different manner of things mood swings I would like to think that they would they would take that player aside and ask him the question you know you know are you struggling what are you struggling with and they might just open up so I think that possibly happens more today uh, with the work the PFA are doing so but no no club really helped me with the addiction side of things and uh, as I said I don't I don't really blame them for it fair enough do you do you think that clubs ought to have mentors and and people that the youngsters could work with yeah definitely uh, and I think that's not just with gambling. I think that's in, in life in general because there's loads of social issues out there. So I think, uh, you know, if every club had somebody within that football club, uh, a mentor that have been through certain things, uh, that can sit, especially to sit down with the scholars, especially with the young young players. Yeah, definitely. I think mentoring is something you might be mm. interested in in the future. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm looking into. Um, you know, I know I'm busy with red card, I have to fit it in. But um, I, I, it's definitely something I'm interested in, in doing a bit of mentoring with, with young lads, yeah. Uh, in terms of support, um, yeah, they. In terms, I, I had a bond. I, had, I don't know what it, it's hard to explain, but I had a. I was at Berry Football Club for two years, uh, and I did have a sort of bond with the supporters there and the club itself. And I think we just. I think it was just the unity within the within the group within the squad. You know, we we had good times. We had a laugh, and when it was serious, it was serious. But there was a sort of connection with the Berry Football Club, um, the Shakers. Uh, yeah, and I loved it there. I think that's probably where I felt sort of felt more relaxed and more at home at Berry. Yeah. I think I did. Okay. What about when you went to Sweden? So in your book, oh, you say you Sweden, had a fantastic time in yeah. Sweden. Yeah. I mean, Sweden came about through um, an old Fulham, Fulham player who's director of St. Albany City Football Club, John Mitchell. And they arranged for um, me to go to Sweden uh, for a year. Um, it wasn't um, a transfer from St. Albans to Yemen SCK in, in Sweden. It was just a loan for a year. But it was amazing because obviously this was my first taste of um, you know full-time football. Uh, second division in, in Sweden and had a great time great country great culture lovely women uh, I have to say that that's, that's me all over it but yeah it was a beautiful place and I wanted to stay to be honest with you I wanted to stay in Sweden um, but but unfortunately St Albans were looking for a transfer fee in England um, no guarantees but they, they were quite confident they were going to sell me and obviously I wanted to get back into the pro game so it was going to work both ways and uh, to do be I, fair mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt do I remember rightly they were asking for a record fee for you yeah like, uh, I, I did play out. yeah I did um, fall out with them when I came back from Sweden um, <laughs> for a couple of weeks I fell out with the board because I went on trial as soon as I come back from Sweden it wasn't long before the scouts were buzzing I went to Southampton with Chris Nickel and I was offered, uh, and these were the days of the Tizier and Shearer playing. They wanted a hundred thousand pound for an unproven player, for a player that's in non-league, which them times was was too much and unheard of. So, um, say Albany City uh, said they want a hundred grand, or you're not going anywhere. So that that was scuppered my chances of going to Southampton. So obviously, I fell out with the club. To be fair, they turned around and said, well, "Okay, the next offer that comes in, we'll, we'll let let you go." And they eventually went for forty grand to Stoke. 
and started your career again. Yeah, I started my career again. Under those circumstances, I I guess that that chairman wasn't your favourite, but who's been the best person you've worked with in football? Uh, I'd have to say Lou Macari because um, I remember five or six weeks before we played at Wembley. Um, Now, obviously, it's every player's dream to play at Wembley. I mean, it's not like today. Anybody can play at Wembley. They play semi-finals there, for God's sake. I mean, it's all changed. But back then, it was actually a dream come true to play in the Wembley old Wembley Stadium uh, and we got to the cup final of the Football League Cup uh, and I got injured uh, beforehand and it was I, I was I wasn't going to make the final basically and uh, Lou Macari you know said to me look you know you're going to be playing in the final you know so we can sort you out have a, what they called then I didn't know what it was but what they called then a quarter zone injection and so uh, he said it will hurt but but it, <laughs> but it will cure you. you you'll be fit and I had this quarter zone injection in my knee and it absolutely killed it was agony but it was amazing because it did it did cure me um, on the side of my knee ligaments and uh, I went on to play at Wembley and uh, also when Lou Macari took over from Alan Ball because of my addiction and my sporadic form etc um, I wasn't sure where I was going to get another contract but he straight away offered me a two year contract and so Lou, Lou believed in me he could see what I had he could see what I can produce on my given day uh, so he, yeah, he supported me a lot and stuck with me and if you were starting again mm. what would you do differently? It's a tricky question because you can't you can't um, really look back in time and say you'd do something differently in terms of when you're developing a, an illness as such. But the only thing I would say is that possibly, possibly when I was having the problem or developing the addiction, that talk to somebody, you know, opened up about it maybe, and because obviously it's embarrassment and shame that's the thing, and you're in denial. So if I had my time over again, I just wish I talked to somebody earlier. Okay, so your red card gambling addiction program now. Yes. That's there to do that. That's there to do exactly that. Education awareness and uh, prevention of gambling addiction. Um, I, I'm fortunate that I've got a good team. I'm fortunate that people have come on board and supported me. Uh, as I said, it started three years ago. Uh, we've now got government funding, which is going to help us a lot. And we just go out to all organisations, whether it's a college, a school, a youth project. We've done charities. Uh, we go anywhere, basically, to spread and promote education awareness of gambling addiction. So... Yeah, that's my um, that's my work at the moment. That's your work at the moment. And, and who do you work with that's professionals? Professionals, we've worked with a springboard charity. We've done workshops with them. Uh, with a couple of colleges, like I said, Hackney and Enfield College. We at the currently meeting um, the Gordon Moody Association, which is a re- residential recovery centre. Uh, so we're meeting with them to do some partnership work and, and mine the charity, which is interesting, very interesting, because that's obviously they've looked at our work and they're linking it to you know mental health, which partly it is. Um, so yeah so we're going to do working with different people basically I see the kind of problem that you had as one of the most important fitnesses of our human lives Mm -hmm. so if you have a mental illness or mental health issue the rest of you just like we were quoting from the book falls to bits yeah yeah because any kind of mental health illness um, you can't function you'll stay at home you'll become isolated you won't go out you won't see anybody you know it affects you uh, your decision making, you know, it just affects your whole self being based in the way you operate uh, with mental health issues. I had all the panic attacks, I couldn't sleep at night, I uh, had depression, you know, so all these things I've been through, all because of the addiction, all because of the, and the, uh, these are linked to um, certain mental health issues. And if someone's listening that has a problem, how might they be able to contact you and, and get help? Uh, they can contact uh, myself, uh, Tony Kelly LinkedIn. Uh, they can contact our website, which is www.kellysredcarconsultancy.co.uk. All our information will be on there and contact details. They can talk to us confidentially and contact me through all the sources through Googling, which obviously is uh, social media and Facebook, etc., and Twitter. So I'm all over social media. You're all over it. That's yeah, brilliant. so they can contact me anywhere.
Okay, I wonder if you might help us with a change of pace now. Yeah. Something that I call hearts and minds. Hearts and minds, okay. Yeah, so what I want you to do, if you could tell us a way that you've helped somebody and possibly delve into the emotional side of the, the way that you help them. Well, it's, uh, I've got a story in terms of helping someone to a certain extent. Obviously, with our workshops, we've, we've got feedback sheets that we've done in the last uh, few moments where you know people are, have actually filled in the feedback sheets with comments such as I'm going to stop gambling now you know they've heard my story it's touched them it's made them aware so I'm sure that will help people in that way with all the all the students that we've, we've been in front of the last few months on a one-to-one level um an interesting story I, I was football club and we had a player good player uh, he's about 25 years old he's a very very good player but he had a tendency to go off the rails he had a tendency to get sent off he had a really bad temper a really fiery temper he's one of them guys that you have to be careful what you say to him you know he's one of them type of guys uh, and we, we couldn't as players uh, it was every other week he'd be round with the manager he'd be round with the players he'd be offering players out in the dressing room you know he was an absolute nutter basically he's six foot two built like a house and yeah very intimidating and this happened throughout the two years of my career there was a, there was a point where I, I said something at half time or something like that and he said I'll see you outside afterwards you know and, and things like that I think to myself well, I said to him okay yeah we'll talk about it afterwards and all that you know that was a big mistake I thought but anyway uh, we did talk about it uh, he calmed down and he goes oh, I'm, I'm sorry to him. I'm sorry mate you know I'm just going through one or two things I'm sorry mate because oh, no problem and uh, he continued with his erratic behaviour over the last two years of the contract and I finished two years up I finished my football left football uh, done and dusted not not sure when we'll call him John not sure where John went and um, 20 years later I got a message on LinkedIn which is about roughly talking about a year ago it was John and John was saying to me oh it's, you know great what you're doing etc I've got something to tell you can we talk I go yeah yeah no problem give me a call so he gives me a call and we have a chat on the phone we're reminiscing about 20 odd years ago and then he just told me that he was a gambling addict and he lost everything he lost his wife he lost his house He's now living with his mum and he's 45 oh years old. Mm. Yeah, he lost a whole lot. Uh, he's a white van delivery driver. He said, even on the, in that conversation, he said he doesn't know what to do. He can't stop. He's been sectioned, which really shocked me. Yeah. So he's been through the mill. Uh, I said to him, OK, look, you know, we can help you. We can You can talk to one of our addiction therapists. A meeting was set up for him to go to um, for an assessment. And basically, he was going to go and have some therapy with one of our addiction therapists. But unfortunately, and again, this is something we touched on before about denial. Unfortunately, he didn't turn up for the appointment. And uh, I'm not sure. This is something I've got to follow up. But I'm not sure what he's doing now and whether he's got that help with the gambling. But that was something where we were in a position to help him. We offered the help and give him the help. But it's, again, it's got to be down to the individual to accept set that help and, and get help but yeah he, he's he's been through the mill such, such as myself wow mm. so you're not alone there's plenty of people out there yeah that's, exactly that's doing yeah. It. yeah yeah so get help is the that's the message asap yeah, yeah yeah sure so do you have any offers or anything that you could give us to help the transformers out there the people that want to transform their wealth and health right i've got um i've got two offers yeah oh one one is uh more personal and more business-like and one is more for i'm intrigued Go one for is it, more community and, and free so i'm gonna offer uh, two signed copies of my red card book that's kind thank you which is the book um obviously detailing my whole life and battling with gambling addiction you can read read the rave reviews on on, uh, on amazon so that's i'm going to offer two two signed copies of that hopefully whoever takes them uh, hopefully i'll be able to uh, be there and sign a form if that can be worked out but the other one is of um as part of raising 
funds for the red card, apart from our government funding and apart from my work, we still write, continue to raise finance any way we can. So one of the things I want to put out there is I've got my 1992 Wembley shirt at home. Wow, um, I didn't and know I've, that. I've talk- yeah, I know you didn't. Yeah. I know. So I've talked, I've talked to a few people about um, auctioning it. Obviously, there's thousands and thousands of Stoke fans out there. So if there is a fanatical Stoke fan who remembered that day when Mark Steen scored the winner, uh, that great Wembley day, um, I am now uh, going to let it go to the highest bidder because it's all going to go to Red Card Gambling Support Project. So if anyone's interested in that, it's my number seven Wembley shirt, 1992 August, August Trophy Final. Then, uh, yeah. Get in touch. Oh, Tony, that's absolutely brilliant. Thanks mm-hmm. very much for that. Yeah, right, mate. That also would get you some funds in for the charity. If yeah. anybody else wants to help the charity in any way, shape, or form, including donations yeah. or get involved, yeah. Um, how might be the best way to do that? I think the best way is, is to contact me through uh, through the website. And also, yeah, we're, we're looking at people, whether they want to be involved in some capacity, whether they want to share their testimonial, uh, they can be part of a workshop and uh, share a testimonial. And anyone that wants to donate, obviously that would be most welcome and that could be done uh, through the website just by contact contacting me through the website with my email address, phone numbers on LinkedIn and, and the website. So but I will give my phone number out now, not a problem. I'm quite an open person, uh, as Andy knows. Um, so... I'll give my phone number out if anyone wants to contact me in any of these issues. It's 07444-512-184. That's 07444-512-184. And that could be anything to do with the book, with the shirt, and with Red Card Project in general. Okay, we're finishing up a little bit now, Tony, yeah. but I'm just going to ask you, what have you got planned for the future? The future, um, well, at the moment, I work in uh, security. Um, that's my full-time job. I run the Red Card Project. Well, obviously, it's quite difficult because I've got a team to run. Uh, and we're very busy at the moment. Things are getting busier because of the government funding we've just got. Uh, but at the moment, that's I'm running Red Card on, alongside my work. So eventually, in the next two to three years, my goal, my aim is to run Red Card on a full time basis nationally, and basically, yeah, promote gambling awareness education th- throughout the UK on a full time basis. I wish you luck with helping everybody around the country that's got problems. Do you think you'll ever get involved in other addictions as well, or do you particularly want to stick with gambling? I think because of what I've been through, because of my experience, um, I think, yeah. But our, our team talk about other addictions. They're the specialists at the end of the day. And when we do do our workshops, they do touch on other addictions and addictions per se. So, yeah, it's we, we touch on that anyway, yeah. Well, listen, thanks very much for your help today. Hopefully we've helped some other people. Yeah, definitely. And uh, wish you all the best for the future. Right, thanks a lot for having me, Andy. Thank you. Cheers, mate. If you'd like to win Tony Kelly's 1992 League Cup final shirt, his number seven shirt, he would like you to make bids on his email, which is Tony, T-O-M-Y, Cov, C-O-V, the number one, at hotmail.com. Minimum bid, £250. Now, Tony's hoping that a mad keen Stoke City supporter will make a huge bid and he can put the money towards his charity red card people with gambling addiction and he'd like to if possible give the shirt in person with some signed copies of his book so there's a little extra special bit too come on you stoke city supporters get some huge bids in there and help a charity out too if you'd like to contact myself you can contact me on www.transformyourwealthandhealth.com on the website or transformyourwealthandhealth at gmail.com on email or via Facebook, our Facebook page and Facebook group, Transform Your Wealth and Health. If you subscribe to the podcast at the end of October, we're going to do a draw and everybody will get a prize. We're going to have physical books and ebooks 
and discounted products from the guests that are on the show. So if you subscribe and send me an email at transformyourwealthandhealth at gmail.com to let me know that you've done so, then we will put you in the draw and we'll make the draw at the end of October and let the winner know. I hope you enjoyed that episode and until next time, start transforming your wealth and health now.